0: than you want. <coughs> uh, about the connection groups, on the table at the back, there's um, some lists, and if you find one that you want to be a part of, if sign it. Um, if you're going to be a part of the carving one, the connection carving group, um, sign it, but you'll you'll need to pick up one of these, or a package of these, and this is a little hobby knife, um, and I would encourage you to get the medium to heavy duty one, uh, You're and you'll need a couple of blades, but we can talk about that, but... This one will get you started. I got that at home hardware, and it was like, I don't know, 3 or $4 or something. I don't actually remember how much it was. It wasn't that much. But I do want to remember that because you will need that, and I won't be able to tell you that next week. So I'm telling you now, okay? Uh, all right. Well, let's take our, let's take our, our Bibles, and let's read here um, Exodus chapter 33. Probably you know this passage, (coughs) and you know this story. But Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to begin reading at verse 12, and go down to the end of the chapter there. Exodus chapter 33, and going down to the... End of the chapter. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I'm pleased with you and know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, this is a place near me, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock, but when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Father, we're thankful today. Father, for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here. And Father, to worship you. And the singing and the songs that we have shared together. And Father, the music and the melodies. And, and Father, all the words that have been written. And Lord, we've joined our hearts and our minds with them. And Father, you know the, the many things that whirl around us. And the many things that are that are on our on our thoughts and, Father, on our minds and, Father, the things that weigh us down and the things, Lord, that lift us up. And, Father, this morning I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would would deliver us from all of these things, the good, the bad, the, the difficult. And, Father, help us, Lord, to see you in the truth that you present to us today. Holy Spirit, we... Claim that verse from John chapter 16, where Jesus said you would come and teach us your truth. So don't let anything stand in the way of what you desire for us to see today. Not preconceived ideas. Not worries or fears. Not excitement and thrills. But Father, help us to see your truth. Lord Jesus, you know the situations in all of our lives. And, Father, I pray for each one, whether they are here or whether they are at home, whether they're at work. I ask, Father, that you would stretch out your hand and touch the hearts of those who aren't with us today. And, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would bless them, grant to them your peace. But, Lord, now, here, as we look into your word, Guide us and lead us. And, Father, if it be possible again today, I pray that you would clothe yourself with this form. I ask, Father, that you would guide and guard the words of this mouth. And, Father, that no word would come across these lips except they be according to thy will. Lord, we want to know what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the passage with, um, with Exodus, this is, this is familiar to us, isn't it? We, we kind of know this, <coughs> but, uh, but notice where, it, where it's stacked at in the journey. We have it here in, um, in the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus. Now, if you were to go to the front of Exodus, you might find something that might be of interest to us. Let's just kind of flip over a few pages to the front of Exodus to give us some context. And here in the, in, the, in the front of Exodus, we, we have um, the Israelites are oppressed. They're in bondage. They're struggling with life. And then as you we turn over a little bit in chapter 2, we find the birth of Moses. Right? So Moses is born. And, and while well, we know about that, Moses in the basket, you know, and going down the Nile, we, we kind of understand that. We recognize that he was, he was adopted into the... Uh, the Pharaoh's family by the princess, you know, and became one of Pharaoh's household, was educated there. And, you know, you can read about that. And, and, and all that happens in chapter two, by the way, right? There's not, there's not five or six chapters that deal with Moses's early life, it's chapter two. Chapter three, we find that Moses is off in the wilderness. And, and here he comes up on, on God. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he meets God in the burning bush, and you can read about that. You know, that he goes up there, and this is where God says, you know, uh, I am that I am, and so tell them, I am has sent you. This is my name, you know, and we have all of that that happens there, and, and then we go on. Chapter 4, we got the signs, you know, the 10 plagues, and, uh, and all of that happens there, and, and, uh, and, you know, for a few chapters, that goes on. We've got the plague of, in verse, uh, chapter 7, chapter 8, we've got the plague of blood, of frogs, of gnats, We've got uh, flies, we got hail, we got boils, we got death of livestock, we got plague of locusts in chapter 10, we got a plague of darkness, we got plague, you know, the death of the firstborn, then we have the Passover. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on here. I mean, this is, this is quite a journey. <clears throat> Moses, who was chosen by God, who was, who was an Israelite, who was born in slavery, whom God made a way to deliver this one guy by being in a basket and put him in Pharaoh's household. And then he began to educate him. Then he began to show him. And Moses had all of these experiences with God. You can imagine the Passover. You know, all the other plagues, you got the frogs, you got the blood in the Nile, you got the gnats, you know, you got, you got the serpent, you know, the rod, you know, the staff that changed into a serpent. You got, you got a, any one of that would have been dramatic, you know, I mean, even if you started with the first one. If I come in here today and I had a staff and I threw it in the ground in front of Sonia and it turned into a, into a boa constrictor, she'd be out the door, you know. And, <clears throat> I mean, it would be the conversation of Tim Hortons maybe come tomorrow or the next day, you know, until something else happened but it would be an experience that you might not forget. But he had 10 of those, and each one got a little heavier and a little stronger. He had 10 of those. And then, and then came the Passover when God said, he said, okay, now, now we, we've got to do, we've got to make some preparations here. Catherine, I, you, you're going to have to get a little lamb. You're going to take it home, and you and Carol and Ken are going to be there. You're going to cut its, its head off. You know, you're going to bleed it into a basket. You're going to put, take, take a little rag and put some on the doorpost and the, and the lintel. You know, those are things. We read about it, but you go through it, you're not going to forget that. And then, then, the, then Moses says to the people, because the word of God came to him, Moses says to the people, now be sure no one goes outside tonight. Not for hockey, Marty. Not for anything else. There's no snowmobile and there's no anything else. If you go out tonight, you are going to die. Plain and simple. So everybody's inside. And everybody's around the little fire and they're doing everything. They're eating the Passover lamb. They have the, the bread from, the, from the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the unleavened bread that we now have for communion. They had the unleavened bread. They had the whole thing. And they're all huddled in there and maybe praying. And they're kind of singing. They're, they're you know, come on, kids. Come around here because something's about to happen. And then, then there's this strange, solemn breeze. You can hear it whispering through the streets. But there's, it's more than that. It's, it seems like death is on the air. And as it's moving through the streets, uh, they there the far side of the city where it begins, there's kind of a wailing begin to happen that's 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 into the into the hundreds of thousands of voices, as every household that doesn't have the blood applied is dying. There's someone in there who's dying. The firstborn son is dying. The mothers are going in and they're 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 picking up the bodies of their little children or or their older kids and and and, and they're they're dead. The whole city is in an uproar. You know, I, I can't imagine you'd forget that. <clears throat> so we go on. We, we have that they leave Egypt, you know, and we've got, uh, they've got them crossing the, the Red Sea, you know, and there's, there's Moses, and he's, and he's by the Red Seas. He's, he's between, the, you know, the two places God said for them to camp here. The Egyptian army's coming roaring down. They're angry. They're mad. They want blood. They want vengeance. And Moses is there. He says, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. And so God says, you know, put your staff into the water, and he puts the staff into the water, and the water just roars up into two great walls. And God says, there now, away you go. On your, you know, dry ground they went through, and, you know, I can imagine, you can, you know, you see it in the movies and all that, but wouldn't it have been something to be there? Man, I hope you don't mind water, right? The walls would be, you know, walking through there, the walls would be massive, just solid walls of of water, you know, and you could maybe you could see a a, sw- a, a shark or a, or a whale moving by, you know, and and j- you can imagine it would be amazing. <clears throat> you wouldn't forget it. You get to the other side, and you know, then there's the manna from heaven, there's the quail, there's there's water from the rock, there's you know, you come onto Mount Sinai in in, uh, in chapter 19. You got the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. <clears throat> you've got uh, uh, the uh, the protection of property. You, you've got you got all of this stuff that's happening around here as we're working through that. And and I mean, you can you can read about it all. But but even 10 more chapters after that, Moses says to God. You have been telling me to lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. What is he talking about? Does this not seem strange to you? You have all the plagues. You have the burning bush. You have all of these things that are not that far away. And Moses is saying, you know what? I don't even, you know, Lord, do I know who you are? Can you teach me your ways? You know, if if you have found favor with me, you know, will you lead me? Who's going to go with me? You've you've got 100,000 people all around you. Like what? Is he talking about? The Lord replied, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? They came through the Red Sea. They got water out of the rock. The angel of death passed over. Who's not going to know this? So what is he talking about here? What what else does he say? Look, here he says, look at this. It, It frustrates me. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Really? And the Lord said to Moses... I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know your name. <clears throat> then Moses said, show me your glory. Hmm, here we go. See there's there's something that Moses is wheedling to. Wheedling's a new word by the way. He's kind of he's kind of he's kind of he's he's got a question that he wants an answer to. And the question is not what will distinguish me or us from everyone else in the world. The question is, can I know you more? I've seen what you've done. I've I've experienced great things. You have done mighty and powerful things around us, but Lord, I want to know you. I, I don't want to know you in just what you give. I, I don't want to know you in 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 just what you are able to provide. I want to know you. Separate, from the gifts. <clears throat> it's kind of like it's kind of like us, you know. And uh, and and maybe maybe someone you know someone's in your life, and and you just want to bless them all the time, and and you you know you make sure that that they have gifts and. And they, you know, have money and they have food and you look after them. And, and may, maybe it's one of your kids, you know, and, and you're, just, you're just really blessing them and you want to bless them because you love them so much. And, and, he, and you call them up, you know, they live a long way. Do you have enough money? You know, you are doing okay? You know, and they, they, they call you in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, and they, they start hollering on the phone, Dad, help, and you, you can't get there because, you know, they're in Calgary or Toronto or someplace, you know. Things are happening, but your heart's breaking, and you want to help them, and you want to give them, and you want to, all of this. And then one day they say this. They say, <clears throat> they say can we just talk? Tell me about you. I, I know you've given me all this, And I know that you bless me, and I know that that you want to help me, and I know that you're looking after all my needs. But they say to you, the child says to a parent, or to a friend, or a grandparent, or to to an aunt and uncle, can we just talk? Tell me about you. Who are you? I, I see the gifts, I see the food, I see the blessing. There's always money that kind of miraculously appears on a bank account after we talk and, and I complain. But who are you? What are you like? See, that's what I think Moses is getting to here. He says, and, the, and uh, then Moses said, show me your glory. See, that doesn't have anything to do with his question. And his questions were, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You know, what, what, what is it, you know, as, a, as, we're, as we're heading off to work in the morning, maybe it's up at the plant, maybe it's out in the woods, maybe it's on the farm, maybe you're heading to the sugar shack, you know, and, and, we're, and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, what, what distinguishes me from anyone else on the earth? That's different, right? That's a different question than, than what he's asking. Lord, will you show me your glory? Lord, will you tell me who you are? Lord, will you will you will you will you help me to know you more? Help help me to, to see with eyes that don't see you as a bank account, that don't see you as a as a problem solver, that don't see you in that, but that's, that I can see your glory. That's a whole different question. That's a whole different level of relationship. So what, what happens here? The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then he taught, they talk about a location. He says, verse 22, when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock. Do you, notice, you see what God said here? And this is, this is important for us here shortly. Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. Now, why wouldn't he have said, I will cause all of my vengeance a fear of the Lord. I will, I will cause all of my wisdom, all of my intelligence. I will cause, you know, all of these other characteristics. But he says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. See, that's a revelation there of of what God, of what God wants to represent to his followers, to his people. Necessarily, the vengeance, not necessarily the anger, not necessarily the judgment, but His goodness. In other words, as Moses says, "Show me Your glory." He's saying, "Show me the deeper person of who You are." God is responding to that, and He's saying, "Okay, I'm going to show you the deeper person of who I am to you." All oh, my goodness will go before you, <clears throat> and I will proclaim My name. In your presence. That's a, a, an interesting passage. You turn over one page, to, uh, chapter 34, at the end of that, and you find some effects that have happened from that. Uh, Mo, uh, J- Exodus chapter 34 and um, verse 29 says this When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. Because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him at Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with them, with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told, it, told the Israelites what had he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. <clears throat> See, Moses spent time with the Lord and the glory of God was transferred that's the effect of spending time with God in that relationship now a lot of times okay so let's let's talk about us for a minute so a lot of times you know we we have a relationship with God and in the relationship that we have with God our relationship is <clears throat> part the water feed me with the quail what about the manna from heaven you know where we we you know we, we we need we need that or, or it's, it's kind of like, you know, what uh, I, I need you to do something about my enemies. You know, I, I need you to, da-da, you know. And we have this relationship with God where he is, is constantly uh, giving, as he said, seeking for it's the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so we, we do, but that's how we seek God. Moses here, on the other hand, was seeking God in a very very specific type of relationship. Now, is this, is this for us? I think it is. And I'm going to tell you why. Let's, 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 let's take a few passages of Scripture. We only got an hour left, so we're good. But let's, um, you know, we talked about this at the prayer retreat a little bit, so if, if you're here from there, um, you'll understand some of this, or if you're listening online, Andrew, uh, says this. In John chapter 17... There's a passage of scripture. And we're going to... I, if you have an opportunity to... You can either write it down now or view it later on YouTube. But, uh, but to go over this in the context of what we just talked about with, with Moses and, uh, and God. <clears throat> in um, John chapter 19, the Gospel of John... We're going to read the first, ver- the, the, the first verse, and this is Jesus praying. And he says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. John 17, 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Then over uh, John chapter 17, verse 22, down towards the end of that chapter, it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. <clears throat> so, uh, so I was thinking of, um, of, of Moses, right? And, uh, and he said to God, he said, show me your glory. Show me, show me your glory. I, I wonder what he, what he actually thought he meant. Not what God did, but what did he think was going to happen? You know, because sometimes we, we approach the idea of God, the concept of God, the relationship with God, the experience of God, with a certain definition in mind. And we say, well, Lord, this is how you acted before, so I suspect you're going to act like that again. You know, this, you know, this is how you acted in, in, uh, in 1979 when I was first saved, and, and I suspect that's, that's what you're going to do again. But I think Moses was surprised with what God did, because God did not show up in a burning bush. That's how he was saved. God did not show up in a basket on the Nile. God showed up in something completely different that um, that I I would suspect the little bit of experience that I have with God in comparison to Moses, if God sent me up on a mountain and said, I'm going to pass by and all of my goodness is going to pass by in front of you, you can't look at me. I'm going to have to shield you a little bit. I'm going to have to build you into a, into a rock wall a little bit and then put my hand in front of you because I'm going to pass by. I'm going to take it away that so you can see my back and your whole life change. Your face glows. Your whole body glows. You know, I would say that would not be like what happened in 1979 to me. Right? So I wonder, what on earth was he thinking? What, was, what did he think was going to happen to this Moses guy? He said, Well, you know, show me your glory. Well, he had no idea what was coming. He didn't. He couldn't. <clears throat> Nor did he understand that when you gaze on God's glory and person, something transfers over to you. That's what happened. So, so what transferred over? We say the radiance. Well, what is that? The light. What is radiance? Light. You know, it was a visible effect of change in his life. Because you can't come into this type of experience with God and not be changed. Okay, there's a secret to this. The secret is this. Don't expect it to be like it was, because it won't be. And if you keep looking for what was, you will miss what is. See, that's the secret there, because God reveals himself as he desires. So Jesus here now, he's saying, he's talking about the glory. And he says, uh, well, he starts out there, he says, glorify your son. Well, well, what does that even mean, glorify your son? Well, we, we read that through the cross. We see that through the, the glasses, the sunglasses we put on that interprets all of our information, and, then, and we see that, well, that to be glorified for Jesus was obedience, it was dying on the cross, it was all of that. We understand those are the dimensions of it here. <clears throat> And then, and then Jesus says, glorify your son so that your son might glorify you. There was a give and take in this. You glorify me. You know, help me to be obedient. Help me to do what I have been created to do. Help me to do what I've been called to do. Help me to do what you have equipped me to do so that I can glorify you. I can give you all the glory. I can give you all the glory. radiance experience <clears throat> then Jesus comes around to this you're, you're going to have a lot of questions so another week we're going to look at this Jesus comes around to this and he says to you and to me he says i have given them the glory that you gave me and then we ask a question okay who's them Verse 20 says, my prayer is for not for them alone, the the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I have given them the glory. So here he's, this is directly tied to that passage that says, I'm praying for those. Not only the disciples who are here, but all those who will follow along after. So, so this is his prayer for you. Down through the generations, this is his prayer for you. I have given them the glory. <clears throat> you feel like that today? Well, let's, let's look over for a minute, okay? So let's, let's find, uh, let's find uh, someone who hated the church of Jesus Christ the most. Someone who killed more Christians than anybody else. Let's find someone who tortured the church, tortured the Christians, put them in jail and in prison, beat them. Let's find someone who stood with Stephen as he was dying and was consenting to his death as Stephen saw the heavens opened and the glory of God. Who would that be? Paul. What does Paul say about this? And and the reason I'm picking Paul is because I know most of you fairly well. And I'm going to tell you, you have never been as bad as Paul. You have never done most of the things that Paul did. You have never sunk into that place. And we say to ourselves, well, that's fine for you what you're talking about, this experience. But I'm going to tell you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I came from. Yeah, I probably do. And I'm going to tell you, I also know where Paul came from and what he did. And I know that you're not even close to that. And so let's see what what happened in Paul's life in the journey. Well, what we have here, if you want to turn to it, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, then, and I, I'm going I'm to start there at, at, at verse 1. And, um, and some of it's not going to be what are, where I want to go, but we have to set the context of it so we don't take it out of place. And First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ, And him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Now that's that's a that's a really important thing there. Because what he's saying here, and remember, this is Paul who was the most highly educated of all the apostles. He was trained under Gamaliel, who was a teacher at the time. So he went to the University of Gamaliel. He he knew languages. He could talk in different languages. He could read. He could write. He, he He was a Pharisee's Pharisee, which means that he had read the Torah many, many times, memorized most of it. He knew stuff. So... He says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. So he's saying here, he says, when I first came to you and and we talked and I preached and and I tried to help you understand the stuff about the Christian faith, it wasn't all about books. It wasn't all about someone else's testimony. It wasn't about someone else's experience. It wasn't, well, John Wesley said this and, well, John Calvin said that and, and well, Schleimacher said this and, and well, you know, uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that. It wasn't anything of that. I didn't come to you with that kind of an attitude nor with that kind of conversation as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling." Why why would that be? Paul, arrogant. Man, he was arrogant. You know, but he got saved on the Damascus Road. Paul, who who had feasted with kings. Paul, who everybody in Jerusalem knew as a Pharisee's Pharisee. Why on earth would he go to the church in Corinth and there say, I came to you in trembling and fear? because maybe they knew his past. Maybe they knew what he was, what he did. And he says to them, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You see what he's saying? He's saying basically if if we put Paul and Moses together, what we would find is, and we blended their testimony a little bit, what we would find is this, is that Paul was saying, I didn't want your faith to rest on quail when you were hungry. I didn't want your faith to rest on, on, on walking through on dry ground over the Red Sea. I didn't want your faith to rest on manna in the morning. I didn't want your faith to rest on the plagues that happened or all of these experiences. I wanted your faith to rest on an everyday experience of the Holy Spirit. That, that's what he's saying. <clears throat> so let's, let's, let's go on. Let's see. What else does he say here? In 1 in Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. <clears throat> okay, so he says, uh, let, let's start verse, verse 5. So that your faith might rest, might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Verse 6 says, we do, however, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. And then he says, not the wisdom of the sage, but that that. Then verse 7, we speak of God's Secret wisdom, wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. There there it is again. For our glory before time began. You go down to verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And this, then this is really what I wanted to preach about now. I got four points that I'm going to give to you very fast. And we're not going to look at them today, John, so stop, stop sweating over there, okay? You're not sweating? All right. Number one, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. What has he revealed? Right. This, this has to do with the transference of glory. Okay, can can I can I encourage you with this? This has to do with with moving away from this this uh, this this mindset of, of God. You know, <clears throat> we're, we're kind of you know, sometimes it seems like we're like James and John that came to Jesus in this one day and they said, Lord, we want you to do whatever we ask. He said, Well, what are you going to ask? And one said, Well, I want to sit in the right, and I, the other one to sit in the left. You know, but, but <clears throat> that's, this is what they said to Jesus. Lord, we want you to do whatever we ask. There's a temptation of Christians to be like that. We want you to do whatever we ask, and we get really upset with you when you don't, and we think to ourselves, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going back to that church because God didn't give me what I wanted. I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of that faith because God didn't give me what I wanted. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stew over here in my misery, and I'll go through life, you know, so be it. God will suffer over that now, won't he? But that's how we kind of act. So here it says, in the trans, but <clears throat> show us your glory. How does he do that? There's, there's four things that happen here. And, and uh, I really want to look at at second Corinthians as well because that's really good stuff as well. But we're, we're going <clears> to, <throat> there's, there's four things he says. God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Number one, The Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit teaches those. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now you remember John chapter sixteen, that one that I always quote, and everybody says, you know, we should get you know read a different passage of Scripture sometimes. But in John chapter 16, Jesus says there, he says, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to to teach you all things. You know, he's going to teach you what is yet to come, and he will take from what is mine and give it unto you. And he will only speak of what he hears the Father say. So the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 11 says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him. So it's kind of like this. <clears throat> I could say, you know, I could, pick out, I could pick out anyone in the congregation this morning, and I could say, Kevin, yeah, I see what you're thinking over there. But I don't know what Kevin's thinking. I, I, don't, I don't know. Annette, I don't know what you're thinking. Well, maybe I do. You know, you're, you're kind of thinking, well, I've got lunch to get, you know, snowing outside. <clears throat> you know, but, but really the deep things of, of who we are inside who knows that? Only you. But Paul is saying here, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. And Jesus, Jesus said, he said that, that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to tell you things that the Father is thinking and saying about you for your benefit. In other words, he's saying that God is going to show you his glory. I'm going to to have all my goodness pass before you. That's quite a thought. Number one, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Are you catching what I'm saying here? God's glory is passing before you in all his goodness. You see it? Are you catching any of it? The second thing I'm going to give you real quick is is number two, comes from verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Number three, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Number four, last part of verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, something happened. Something happened sometime in our life. And you, you will never be the same again. If at one point in your journey you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and asked him to be your savior, you will never be the same again. You, you can't. Because he's shown you something. He's done something. He's, he's, he's built something within you. He's corrected something. There's, there's an experience. There's a burning bush in your past somewhere. There is. Maybe it was by a kitchen table, maybe it was on your bed at home, maybe it was up in the workshop, maybe it was at the plant, maybe it was in the car driving down the road, but there's a burning bush in your background somewhere. Now, you can continue to always face the burning bush. I I remember in the old days, I'm going to go over here into the old church for a minute. Remember in the old days, I sat right here, right? And so, Anthony, you'd be on the platform right now. And I I remember, let me go a little farther into the church here, because I remember, Mike, where you're sitting right there, Will Cloney used to sit. Remember that? Remember that? Will Cloney used to sit right there. Sunday nights. I'm going to come back into the new church again for a minute. Uh, But Sunday nights, remember this, Sue? Uh, Will Cloney's testimony. Remember it? 22 years ago. Well, it started when I remember it. It was 20 years, then it got to be 21, then it got to be 22. 22 years ago, I was saved. And I gave up cards and alcohol and language. That was the gist of it. And it was, it was always that. And I always appreciated Will. And, uh, <clears throat> and, I th- and I thought to myself, you know, and I remember thinking it even then because it stayed with me. And, and I mean this in the very best of ways. What, what about today, Will? What has God done in your life today? What has God said to you? today. Not, not that that was bad, what well, was, because that was the beginning. That was the burning bush. But so often, that's all we see. But what about the today? Lord, you have taken us through the plagues. You have taken us through the demons. You have taken us through the battles. You have taken us through the Red Sea. You have taken us through, through the quail and the manna. Really, all I want is to see your glory. And Jesus says, I have given you. I have already given you my glory. I have already shown you. So, the Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. We speak in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The world doesn't understand what we're talking about. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. But you have the mind of Christ. We're going to leave it right there. And the reason for that is I want you to do an exercise this week. I want you to do something. Get some homework. Mandy, remember this. Homework is always good. I want you to ask God this week, show me your glory. And then as things begin to happen, then as the spirit that searches the mind of God For you, for you, write down what he says. Write down what he says. And then as the mind of Christ, that's what he says there. We have the mind of Christ. Well, do you or don't you? Does God save you or did he not? Are you on the journey or are you not? Do you have the mind of Christ or not? Do you believe the Bible or not? Yes, we do. Do we understand it all? No, we don't. But the little bit that we do, let's live in that. You have the mind of Christ. So as he reveals this to you, write it down. Share with somebody. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know what that means? That means that when you speak out truth, it becomes a firmer reality in your life. That's why we have testimonies. That's why we have an altar call. It's not, not, you know, to embarrass anybody. It's because you take a public stand and you say, this is what God has done in my life. I'm going to invite God into my life. I'm going to pray at the altar, and I don't care if I go there alone because I'm making a public statement of faith here. And it becomes a firmer reality. That's why we do that. And when God says something to you and you share that testimony with somebody else, that makes it a firmer reality in your life. What would have happened with Moses had he come down off the mountain and said, you know what, Lord, just let this glory clear away for a while because this is going to be awkward for people. And he, no, not doing that. Let the glory of God be seen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful today, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to to be able to be here, and, Father, to worship you. And, Father, we've been talking about some deep things today, maybe some things that make us a little uncomfortable uh, because they're deeper than we want to sail through. But, Father, we recognize, Lord, the words of Jesus in in the gospel of John that, that he gave us his glory and that your Holy Spirit, you search the deep things of he, or he searches the deep things of, of your spirit, of your mind, and, and he makes known to us. And Father, help us to receive that. Help us to grow in that. Help us to sharpen the, the blades of our lives in that as we express that and, and bounce that back and forth with, with those who, who are on the same page faith-wise. Father, your word says, Paul here talking about this, and... <clears throat> He says, we have the mind of Christ. Lord, if there's things in our lives that are selfish, if there's things in our mind that are self-centered, if there's things in our minds that are impure, if there's things in our minds that are not like you, Lord, help us to get rid of them so that we might fully have the mind of Christ. And so, Father, this morning, Lord, I pray your blessing on these folks. I do ask, Lord, that you would be glorified. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray.